number of years ago, I was at a youth event at uh, our church, and as I recall, the theme for that event was on friendship. What I remember a lot about that event was that the band that led worship that morning played a song that I had never heard before. In the chorus, went something like this. You'll see the words up on the screen next. It says, I'll be there for you when the rain starts to pour. I'll be there for you like I've been there before. I'll be there for you and you're there for me too. Now, I love that song. And so during the break, I went up to the band leader and I said, that's really great. Did you write that song? And he laughed at me. He says, no, that's the theme song for a really popular television show. Now, here's your question. What television show is that? Go to the next screen. There you go. Friends. That's where it's from. Friends. And everybody who's familiar with that song and who's familiar with that show, unless you're like me, someone who's never, ever seen that program, you probably know a lot about friendship. But what I do know about it is that those six people, I know who they are, And I know, at least a little bit from the song, that they're there for one another. It was an extremely popular show. I'm sure it was the number one show for a long time, and it's still in syndication today. And I think the reason it stayed so popular is because people want what the characters on that show are portrayed as having. That's a circle of friends who will always be there for them. Now, as Jimmy said a little while ago, Proverbs has a lot to say about friendships, the kind of friends we ought to look for. It talks a lot about the kind of friends that we should be. And it teaches us much more than just, you know, having a a whole bunch of acquaintances or or like, uh, you know, some of you who have Facebook pages, some of you are absolutely stunned at how many, quote, friends you actually have, uh, people that only kind of bump you from every, every once in a while. Proverbs gives us an exalted view of friendship that goes beyond the surface level into these deep heart relationships that we have with other people. In fact, part of uh, uh, our Bible reading today that we could have chosen would have been from the 18th chapter of Proverbs that says, A man of many companions comes to ruin, but there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. See, just having companions, just having people you know is not enough. You really need those heart-to-heart close inner circle friends, and we're going to look at a couple of aspects today about how to be a friend and and how to choose a friend. Now, again, understand that when I'm talking about friends, I'm, again, not talking about acquaintances. I'm not talking about people that you socialize with on occasion. I'm referring to people who would actually draw you into their inner circle, people who would share the innermost parts of their hearts with you, Those people you know, and those people who know you and still like you anyway. That's a friend. See, Proverbs, interestingly enough, also tells us that we should be careful in choosing friends. In fact, chapter 12 in Proverbs says, A righteous man is cautious in friendship. So when it comes to choosing friends, it's kind of like going out and hiring a right-hand man. And I suppose I should say right-hand person, but that sounds kind of clumsy. But a right-hand man. You know, this is the person whose advice you're going to seek. This is a person who you'll turn to in times of trouble. This is a person that you'll share good times with. This is the person you're going to learn from. This is the person that you may actually end up mentoring. So don't approach 
choosing friends lightly. Exercise caution. Now, I gotta tell you that this goes against everything I was taught when I was young. Maybe some of you were taught this too. Anybody ever hear this phrase before, to have a friend, be a friend? I was taught that when I was younger. Do you ever hear this? You should be a friend to the friendless. Do you ever hear that one? Frankly, I don't think that's very good advice. <laughs> it, because sometimes when people don't have friends, there's a reason. You ever stop and think about that? I mean, maybe other people have tried to be their friend and they've paid dearly for it. Or maybe this person is the kind of friend who will talk about you behind your back when you're not around. Or maybe they're the kind of, quote, friend who borrows money from you but never pays you back. Or maybe this, quote, friend is the kind of person who uh, breaks the tools that you allow them to borrow. Or maybe this friend tries to date your boyfriend or girlfriend or even worse, your spouse. Maybe this, quote, friend, all they ever do is bring their emotional baggage for you and dump it in your lap and expect you to solve all of their problems. I just want to suggest that bringing those kinds of people into your life is nothing less than an invitation to misery. Now, before you think I'm being hard-hearted, let me tell you, I'm not saying that these kind of people do not matter to God. I'm not saying that at all. And I'm not saying that we should not be reaching out to anyone and everyone to help them. I think all of us who are Christ followers know we should. You ought to try to influence people in your life to live better God-honoring lives, but you need to be very careful when it comes to friends. You are to be friendly to everyone, to show the love of Jesus to everyone, but be selective with whom you share your heart. The choosing a friend in many ways is like choosing a mate for life. It's like choosing a spouse. You need to choose a certain kind of person that you would actually call your friend. And in being a friend, you need to strive to be that kind of person. And that's what we're going to look at now, the kind of friend you ought to have that the Bible talks about and the kind of friend you ought to be. And I want to share with you just three characteristics that I found in the book of Proverbs. Here's the very first one. A friend hurts when you hurt. You see Proverbs 17, 17 says that a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. Yesterday I got an email from a friend and I can call this person a friend. His, his name is Gene. And Gene, he said, I, I want you to read something I just, I wrote. And when I read it, I said, can I share this today with the people in my congregation. He said, sure. And this is what Gene wrote yesterday. He said, I just got a call from one of my four crazy friends this morning. One who would tear the roof off of Jesus' house to let me down for healing. Crazy friends in God are great. He heard my broken heart. He listened to me as I talked about some things in my mind. And then he prayed. I love having crazy, radical, Holy Spirit friends who are fearless. I need people like that in my life. Now, let me ask you, do you have four crazy friends? Four crazy, radical, Holy Spirit people who would actually sit and listen to you pour out your heart and then pray for you, in other words, not interrupt you while you're doing it, and not run around and blab it to everybody else when, they're, when you're done? Man, we all need crazy spirit people like that. 
people who feel what we feel. I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm not going to have you write it down. We're not going to ask you what it is. But I want you to think about this for a moment. I want you to think of two or three or four people that you would call your closest friends. Can you think of those people? People you would say, these are my closest friends. You got a mental image? See, when you do, when you hurt, do they hurt? Or are they inwardly and sometimes outwardly rejoicing that you're hurting? Now, obviously, if they do that, they're not your friends. But then ask yourself this question. Am I the kind of person that someone could come to when they're in trouble and they know that my response would be out of love? Would that be you? Go back to the previous screen. I'm not done yet. <laughs> A friend hurts when you hurt. What kind of friend are you? I got to thinking about it the other day. Sadly, I've known people who've gotten a divorce and their so-called friends suddenly disappeared on them, bailed out on them, and all too, even more sadly, talked about them behind their backs. I've also known people who've been in financial trouble and they were abandoned when they most needed help from the people they thought were their friends. I have known people whose kids have gotten into legal trouble and nobody wanted anything to do with their kids or with that family. That's why I say how precious it is and how rare it is to have someone who will stand by you in trouble. How wonderful it is to have somebody who hurts when you hurt. And frankly, when other people are hurting, it doesn't really make any difference whether they were right or wrong. It just matters that you have friends who care. I thought about the story of Job this last week. You know, Job, whose wife came to him and said, curse God and die. Made me wonder if she was Job's best friend. <laughs> Made me wonder. But we also know that Job had a bunch of other friends who came and gave him some ungodly advice. It's no wonder that the book of Job in chapter 6 says, a despairing man should have the devotion of his friends even though he forsakes the fear of the Almighty. Did you get that? You ought to have a friend who will stand with you even if you go off the tracks with Jesus, even if you backslide. You ought to have a friend who will stand there with you. And so remember, whoever your friends are, they won't be perfect. Those friends I asked you to think about before, how many of those were perfect? I can picture at least four people in my life that I would call close friends. They're, they're far from perfect. These are people who make mistakes. These are people who make dumb mistakes. Really, really dumb mistakes. And at the same time, more than ever, when the people make a dumb mistake, you need a friend who will come up to you and say, brother or sister, even though you've gone off the deep end, even though you've run away from God, I'm going to hang in there with you until you come to your senses. See, I want to suggest to you that when you choose friends and you allow people into the inner circle of your life, you need to ask yourself, does this person have the capacity for that kind of loyalty? And then you need to ask yourself, do I have that same capacity? 
am I willing to go to the mat for my friend as well? See, if your friend gets in trouble, you don't need to endorse what they've done. You don't need to admire everything about them, but you can be there for that person so they don't have to suffer alone. That's the first point. A friend hurts when you hurt. Here's the second point. A friend will say what needs to be said, even when it hurts. A friend will say what needs to be said, even when it hurts. I might add here, a real friend does not blab everything you've told them either, to everybody around. They don't tell anyone, quite honestly. If you've got people that you've shared things with, and suddenly you find it, all over the church or all over the community. Here's my advice. Cut that person loose. Cut them loose. That person is not your friend. Probably what they need is a stern rebuke. Just a thought. See, with a, fur, uh, with a true friend, Christian friends, both of you know that words are intended not to hurt, but to help. Proverbs 27, 6, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Do you ever hear of somebody that's called a kiss-up? You know what that is? They only tell you what you want to hear. Do you have friends who would actually look you in the eye and say, cut it out, you know better than that? I got people like that. They're more than willing to do it on some occasions. This means someone who isn't your friend will say what's easiest for them to say, but a true friend will be honest with you. And I don't want you to give the impression that a good friend only says negative things to you. Not at all. I think a, a good friend offers you encouragement. A good friend offers you Christ-like love and support. A, a Christ-like friend says things that will build your confidence. A Christ-like friend can be counted upon to give you uplifting advice. Solomon said in Proverbs 27, 9, the pleasantness of one may, one's friend springs from his earnest counsel. See, when choosing a friend, we need to ask ourselves, is this a person that I can turn to for counsel? Does this person have the capacity to say what needs to be said? And then you need to ask yourself, am I willing to be that kind of a friend as well? See, a friend will hurt when you hurt. And a friend will say what needs to be said, and they will say it out of a desire to help and not to hurt. Here's the third thing. A friend will bring out the best in you. Solomon warns us to be cautious again in choosing friends because, you know something, a, a friend's character can actually rub off on you. In Proverbs 22, 24, he says, Do not make friends with a hot-tempered man, do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn his ways, and you, you yourself get ensnared. I've said this before, but you know, you can't soar like an eagle if you hang around with turkeys all the time. When I was confirmed, some of you remember confirmation. I remember coming forward at St. John's Lutheran Church in Seward, Nebraska, and I remember kneeling in the front with my white robe and my bow tie. That's a whole other story. But I remember Pastor Heidman putting his head on my butch-waxed flat top. That's a long time, too. That's another story. And he spoke some words over me from Psalm chapter 1, my confirmation verse. Blessed is the man who does not 
what walk or sit or stand with ungodly people, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And I got to thinking to myself, I had been walking with some people I should not have been walking with. And guess what? When you're done walking with them, the next thing you do is you stand with them and you start talking. And the next thing you know, you're sitting down with them, you got your feet under their, ta their table, and you become just like them. That's what Paul is, or that's what Solomon is warning us about. How many of you have ever heard the phrase, he got mixed up with the wrong crowd? Did you ever hear that one? It happens too often. I could take you with me down to Louisiana State Prison in Angola and show you one man after another who would probably say, in one way or another, I got mixed up with the wrong crowd. I know a guy that will never get out of prison who used to be the worship leader at a church but started hanging around with the wrong people and it rubbed off. Like it or not, most of us are just chameleons at heart. We kind of like to act like the people we associate with. And then sooner or later, we start adopting some of their values. You see, 1 Corinthians, what Paul says there, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Whoever you become close to, whoever you bring into your inner circle will have an influence on your life. I think about this sometime in marriage. You know, Nancy and I have been married 45 years. We are, we are really pretty much alike in many ways to the point where I think I can remember some conversations a long time ago. She would sit at one end of the table, me on the other, the kids on the other side, and the kids would ask us a question. And Nancy and I would just look at each other, and the kids knew the answer. They knew they were going to get the same response. It's because you begin, you hang around with a person long enough, you begin to kind of understand how they think and feel. Oh, you get surprised every once in a while. You hang around with the person long enough, you begin to know. See, seek out friends who can bring out the best in you. I've always loved Proverbs 7, 27, 17. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Do you get that? As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Well, I know something about iron sharpening iron. Guess what? Sometimes the sparks fly. <laughs> That's okay. All Solomon is telling us is, is to make, make friends who make us sharp. Friends with qualities, Christ-like qualities that you admire. Christ-like qualities that you like to see in your own life. And these will ultimately wear off on you. Chapter 13, verse 20. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Now, when I finished writing this message the other day, I was thinking, what, what is it I'd really like people to walk away with today? What was I really trying to say? Well, I was kind of hoping that it would inspire you to do maybe a couple of things. First of all, if you don't have close friends, if you don't have that inner circle, I would hope that you would begin to start looking for people that you would like to be friends with. Now, somewhere on your outline, I think there's another screen up here. I think there are three characteristics of friends that we need. When you look for a friend, you want to look for someone, a person of wisdom. And we talked about this way back at the beginning of this message series. Where does wisdom begin? It begins with the fear of the Lord. You're looking for Christian friends. I spoke with someone this last week, and we were talking about marriage and dating and 
who people ought to be dating and everything, and I said, I remember a sermon I preached one Sunday at a former church where I actually said in the sermon, I would ne if I had to do it all over again, I would never, ever date anyone that I could not pray with. When the service was over, I had about 10 or 12 teenage girls in a pack come down the side aisle. And they said, we want to see whether we understood you or not. Did you or did you not say you would not date anyone that you could not pray with? And I said, yep, that was me. <laughs> and the one girl said, wow, that would really thin the herd. <laughs> and I thought to myself, now you're getting wise. Now you're beginning to understand people of character, people of compassion. And, and, and if you're involved with friendships that are dragging you down, I'm going to say it again, friends, cut them loose. Distance yourself from people who drag you down, at least until you're in a position of influence where you can help draw them closer to the Lord. There's a second thing that I hope today, and that is that you would examine the kind of friend you are to other people. More than likely, God has already put a lot of people in your life who deserve and need your friendship, but we also need to be the very best kind of friend there is. They need you to hurt when they hurt. They need you to say things in such a way that helps them become better Christ-like people. They need you to help them bring out the best in them. Now, in closing, I want to talk a little bit more about the best friend that you can ever have. Most of you would say you've got a best friend. I'm going to tell you about the best friend that you really need. His name is called Jesus. And to do so, I want to remind you of a song that we already heard sung today. It's a song that many of you know. You could sing it from memory. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. You know that song? What a friend we have in Jesus. That hymn of the church is probably among the best that's ever been written. It's one that's been treasured by people all around the world. And maybe no other hymn has touched so many lives as that hymn that was written in the mid-1850s by a young Irishman by the name of Joseph Scriven. Now, like many hymns that become popular over the years, it was inspired by sorrow and grief. At an early age, Joseph Scriven had some difficult times in his life, but he learned that he had a friend in Jesus. He learned to give his sorrows over to the Lord. Let me give you but one example from his life. His bride-to-be, his fiancé, was found drowned the night before they were to be married. As you can well imagine, that loss just about crushed Joseph Scriven. He even said he thought for a moment, what kind of friend allows that to happen? But then he remembered that Jesus was his friend no matter what. After that catastrophe, he left his homeland of Ireland and he moved to Canada where he became a teacher. And, 
and he devoted himself to the kids that he taught as well as the community in which he lived. It has been said of Joseph Scriven that he became the living, breathing example of the Good Samaritan because where he lived, he shared everything he had with people that did not have as much as he had. We're also told that he never, ever intended the words of that poem, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, to ever be published. He hand-wrote it. It was in a small frame hanging on the wall in his house. When someone asked him one time about it, all he said was, It's something that the Lord and I did between just the two of us, because we are friends. Now, some years later, he received word that his mother was sick and dying back in Ireland, and he was unable to go back. <clears throat> so he wrote his mom a letter of comfort, and he enclosed that poem that has since become this great hymn to remind his dying mother of her never-failing friend, Jesus. Now, I don't know what you think when you hear about people who endure pain and sorrow and suffering and still manage to keep their faith in God. I think we all know stories like that. People who have experienced sorrow, despair, pain, anguish, but they still hang on to Jesus, their very best friend. But you know, it's during times of adversity that we grow the most in our faith. It's times of adversity that we kind of strengthen our walk in the Lord. You see, friends, and I will call you friends, we have the privilege of knowing that God is with us no matter what it is that we're going through. It may be difficult sometimes, the path that you're walking. Sometimes the pathway can be pretty treacherous, but Jesus is a friend on whom you can always rely. You know, one of the most intimate ways that any of us could think about Jesus is to call him friend. You know, when Solomon wrote in chapter 18, a man that has friends must show himself friendly, but there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I wonder if he was not thinking about the Lord. See, the most deep and the most abiding relationship that can form between two people, what do we call it? We call that friendship. Friendship that's built on mutual trust, it's built on mutual respect. That kind of friendship, friends, can withstand anything. Friends that are strong and enduring are those that can sustain us even in the midst of our most trying of circumstances. And that's exactly the kind of relationship that our Lord Jesus Christ desires to have with every last one of you that's here today. Anybody who desires to become a child of God, Jesus says, I want to have that living, loving, lasting relationship with you that turns into the best friendship you will ever have. But you know, like any other relationship, it's something that takes time, and it's something that takes patience. It's something that grows and matures over time. Actually, it grows and matures over an entire lifetime. Do you ever stop and think what it will be like someday when you take your last breath on this earth and your next breath in heaven? And there's Jesus saying, welcome home, friend. Won't that be a great time? See, we cannot expect to have that kind of friendship with someone if we don't spend time with them and do things with them. And it has to be something that both people want and that both people are willing to work toward. See, Jesus has already told us many times in the Bible 
He says, I am your friend. He said, I am the friend of friends. And he's not the one who's going to bail out on us in rough times. He tells us he's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. He says, lo, I will be with you even unto the end of the age. And I hope you know this, even as I know this. Everyone in this world needs to have Jesus as a friend. Everyone in this world deserves to have Jesus as their dearest friend. And the greatest thing is that all of us, everyone in this world can know Jesus as Savior and Lord of their life. So I ask you, friends, do you know Jesus as your friend? You know, he, has he forgiven you all of your sins? And has he come into your life? If not, he will. All you need to do is ask him. He's the best friend anyone could ever have. Let's pray. Father, while it is important for us to have friendships, indeed you built us and you created us to be in relationship to one another. Those relationships grow best when they are planted into that relationship that we have with you through the best friend we will ever have, Jesus Christ. Lord, if there's anyone here today who does not know you as friend, who does not know you as their personal Savior, who does not yet fully understand that you have forgiven them all of their sins, I'd pray that you would touch their hearts today to move them to very simply ask you to come into their lives. Father, indeed, you are the best friend that anyone could ever have. It's in your name we pray. Amen.